Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Zach. We run a small independent bookshop called Rosie Ravelston Books. We specialise in selling new and secondhand books that change the world, with books that inspire, motivate and entertain. We're a small social enterprise that combines our love of reading with our passion for supporting refugees and asylum seekers by donating 50% of our profit to a charity called Amiculous, the Humble Friend Project. You can find us and our dog Echo at rosieravelstonbooks.com, on Facebook, Instagram or post-lockdown, in our Blue Mountains bookshop at 201 Great Western Highway, Hazelbrook, New South Wales. Danny, Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a good spell uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. Who wouldn't want to celebrate the words and nerds? Fabulous podcast. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B. Today, I welcome two authors. Coral Vass is an award-winning Australian children's author with several books published with Scholastic National Library of Australia, Penguin Random House and Larrikin House. With a background in media, Coral has always had a passion for telling stories and inspiring children with a love of literature. She dabbled in script writing, radio drama and video production before working a decade in marketing and publication. Her signature writing style has a splash of rhythm, a dash of rhyme and is stirred with fun. And today, Coral, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but one of them is going to be the perfectly proper Grand Pet Parade. Welcome, Coral. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Danny. It's been lovely to sort of meet you sort of in person. I mean, we've done this, you know, with a big group and we've done it over Google, but now it's sort of, this is as close as we're going to get for now. So one, <laughs> one day real life, that'll be really good. That's right. <laughs> I also welcome Alice Jackson. Alice wasn't always a writer. After studying biology, she took off on a road trip that lasted 12 years. She's been chased by an elephant, swam with piranhas and once fell out of a bunk bed. In 2000, she arrived in Adelaide with a suitcase full of notes and has been writing ever since. She hopes that you enjoy her books as much as she loved writing them. Today, we're going to talk about Alice's new book, Hugo's Runaway Legs. Welcome, Alice, how are you? Very well, thanks, Danny. Nice to meet you. Yes, virtually, (laughs) yes, one day in real life. I really wanna hear later all about the elephant and the piranhas. The bunk bed sounds quite tame to the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for jumping in today, talking all things picture books and writing. I do want to ask you first up, though, about Elevator Pitch uh, for your story. So, Coral, can I start with you? Elevator Pitch for the perfectly proper Grand Pet Parade. Some fabulous alliteration in that title, by the way. Oh, thank you. So uh, this is a book about Lavender Gray, and she goes to school with her little pup because it's it's the Grand Pet Parade at school. And so everyone comes along with all of their different pets, fish and cats and rabbits and all sorts of things. And they're all hoping to win the Grand um, Pet Prize. But there are two very, very cheeky boys called Hugo and uh, Harry. Harry, is it Hugo and Harry? And they um, they also want to win the prize. So they come, they, they have a very, very um, sneaky thing and they release some mice and then it turns into a very chaotic uh, pet parade <laughs> okay. which is 
Pretty fantastic. And I love the illustrations too, when I was looking through the book, they just really suit the sort of chaos that goes on throughout the story. So yeah, Kate's done a wonderful job with that. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so much. And who wouldn't want to bring their pet to school, really? Alice, can you tell us about, and we've got another Hugo, Hugo's Runaway Legs. I didn't realise, Coral, no. (laughs) Give us an elevator pitch for Hugo's Runaway Legs. Such a bizarre, amazing story. I loved it. (laughs) So, yes, um, it's basically what would you do if you woke up one morning and found your legs run away? And this is what happens to the Hugo in my story who then sets off in search of his legs who've hopped on a local bus by stealing the legs of other animals. Uh, When he finally catches up with his legs, he learns that they've run away because they are very fed up with lounging around and doing nothing. (laughs) As parents, I'm sure we all know that feeling. And they do finally agree to come back to Hugo, but only when he promises that he'll be a little bit more active. I like it. You know what, Alice? It's kind of like lockdown legs at the moment, isn't it? If you're in lockdown, that's <laughs> kind of what we're doing. <laughs> I, I thought that was um, a very interesting story. And I loved all the other little legs that he stole. So very funny. And again, the illustrations are just amazing. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, when we're part of Larrikin House, you talk about brand all the time, because I think brand is something that really defines Larrikin House and is really important. And when you look at stories like Hugo's Runaway Legs and the perfectly proper grand pet parade they're really on brand for larrikins so tell us about hugo's runaway legs Alison, and how that's like a very on-brand story for the publishing house well it started a couple of years back um i suppose when i saw that my son really enjoyed computer games and would be stuck in his bedroom and i did try a few different versions where You know, it was a lazy child and a puppy that went missing or nothing seemed to work. So in the end, I went with my gut, which is embrace the silly. And as soon as I came up with the Hugo's Runaway Legs, and it started really with that sentence alone, um, Hugo Holt woke up one day to find his legs had run away. That was it. And I knew where I was going with the story. Um, and, you know, trying out different animal legs was the perfect solution. (laughs) Um, And I guess it is, you're right, it's a perfect fit for Larrikin House. Not that I'd heard about Larrikin House when I actually wrote the book, Uh, and it was through a friend on social media who uh, alerted me to the new publishing house, and I sent it in, but, yes, it fits perfectly and like I say embrace the silly is what works (laughs) absolutely and you know they larrikin house is known for humor and heart but I think the unofficial tagline is the wrong side of humor and I think Hugo's runaway legs that is on (laughs) that is on point point. absolutely (laughs) and we learned that when I found out you know when the conversation came about um about the illustrations You know, how do you want the illustrator to cope with a a character who has no legs? What do you do? How do you you go about hiding the facts? Um, So, yeah, it was a very interesting conversation. It could have been a lot more wrong, uh, but I think Lee Brown's illustrations are absolutely perfect. 
I thought so too. I, I, I so love too. the cover with with a with a bottom running yeah. running away with these <laughs> legs on the end of it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. very on point. And you know, same with you, Coral. I mean, obviously, humor and chaos that is very on brand too. Tell us about your story and how it, how it fits in with the publishing. Yeah. House. Well, I, I look. That's the one thing I love about Larrikin House is is it is it is a publishing house that publishes humour and it publishes, you know, almost borderline, you know, just pushes that envelope a little bit, um, which is awesome because a lot of publishers don't. Um, and I think kids love it. You know, kids love humour and they love the silly and they love the the franting and the crazy and the all of that. So, you know, that's one thing that Larrikin House does so, so well. Um, and this mm -hmm. particular book, you know, it, it's, it is about crazy and it, it's about animals causing chaos you know they always say don't work with children and animals or this is working with animals and and kids as well <laughs> and so you know it, it brings absolute chaos which is is awesome and um and provides a great platform for laugh laughter so chaos and the wrong side of humor perfect <laughs> now i do want to talk about humor because it's a tricky thing to sort of just create something that's funny you know and sometimes if you're writing something you have no idea if it's funny until someone else is reading it right so i want to ask you about do you go with quirk? Do you go with humour? How do you rework the humour? Is humour found in rhyme? Like how do you capture? And and it doesn't always have to be out loud funny. It can be quirky or strange or bizarre or odd. So Alice, tell me about your experience of, of working with a humorous story. I think for me that, you know, the story does come first. So once you've got that nugget of an idea and you work it through, um, it's then pushing the boundaries on making your setting as interesting and as fantastical as you can and your characters are quirky um unbelievable at the same time um i do have a tendency to write in rhyme and i started off with poetry and as a poet uh, more for adults than for children and i think rhyming if you get it right lends itself perfectly to humor tight it has to be absolutely tight and it's when every word matters and you do go back and make sure that you're using words that are funny or interesting or um you know work with sound or an explosive in some way uh, grab the audience so yes it's it's a difficult thing to do having said all that it's not easy mm, absolutely i agree what about you coral how do you find the humor in your writing or the quirk yeah well look it, it because we're writing for children you know sometimes it's it's even um worth asking kids what they think as well you know they're the audience and if they find it funny then 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 it's a winner so um you know finding an audience whether it's your own children or a, or a uh kindergarten or, or whoever you know like your, your kids friends or but just yeah finding finding some some kids that that you can sort of um tell your story to and see if they think it's funny um but I think Alice absolutely spot on with the with the rhythm and rhyme you know that there's if, it, if it's done really really well it does lend itself to humor um and that sort of fast pace um you know the rhythm and rhyme but but you know always I, I think um, I, and I tell a lot of author, um, emerging authors this is if you can write it in prose first, then you can bring the rhyme after. You know, get the story right first. A lot of people try and write rhyme first and, and then they get sort of awkward, clunky words and it, you know, it doesn't flow very well. So, you know, get the story down pat first and then you can add 
add some rhyme to it um, if it lends itself to rhyme. Oh, I was going to say, Carl, I think you're completely right when you say you're almost looking at the story through the eyes of a child. Um, and it reminded me of the story I love, uh, A House of Her Own by, I think it's Jennifer Hughes, where the character says that she needs a cupboard so she has somewhere to put her dirty cups. And I love that line because it just shows how you can completely manipulate a simple common old sentence into something that's clever and amusing at the same time. You've got to have the eyes of a child. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And it brings the joy back to what you're doing as well, because as an adult, sometimes it's a bit boring and it's a bit tedious. But, you know, when you're looking through the eyes of a child or, you know, like you said, Cole, um, you know, finding children to sort of test your stories on, you, you do see the world in a bit of a different way, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Coral, I know something about you. I know that you are a bit of a, a metre rhythm queen. So tell us the secrets <laughs> of getting metre and rhythm correct. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know if you've heard right then. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I, love, I love rhythm and rhyme. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's about finding um, the beat, finding the beat. And, and I think if, you, um, if you're a muso, then you can find it pretty easily. You know, it's having that, that lyrical ear that you can listen to that beat. Um, and, it, and sometimes it doesn't even matter how many beats. Um, you just choose one that, a rhythm that suits your pace as you read um, and then stick to that rhythm. So that's sort of, you know, that's what I recommend. Are you a musician, Carl? I, uh, well, I have played instruments. Uh, we are a musical family, so yes. I thought so. What, what do you play? Well, I used to play piano. <laughs> Ooh, I get all the secrets out of people on this podcast. So be, beware. I've got about 20 minutes to get all your secrets out. <laughs> now, I really, I'm really interested in feedback. I love the feedback process. I find it so interesting, so exposing, so terrifying, but I do love it. And I feel like because after you go through what is often sometimes quite a confronting experience, you come away with something that was so much better than you had before. So I want to know about your experiences with feedback. I've spoken to other authors who just take it on, you know, fiercely. Some people who need to walk around the block, some people who need to take a day in bed. What is your style of feedback and how do you like to take it? Coral, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, sure. So, look, I, I give feedback. So a lot of um, aspiring authors uh, ask me to edit their manuscripts or do manuscript assessments. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really tricky because you, you have to be honest but do it generally as well. Um, but personally, I love, I love feedback um, because it does make you a better writer. Um, and it, if you can take it on without being offended um, and, yeah, it just it, it does give you a, a different um, perspective as well. And one thing I, I always try and do myself and I encourage other writers to do is hold everything loosely, hold it loosely because, um, you know, at the end of the day, what if, if your manuscript does get signed, it's no longer yours. You know, it's, it's not your baby anymore. It becomes part of a bigger picture and then there's the illustrator and the publisher and the editor and the salesperson and the marketing person and, you know, and, and then the bookshop. And, and so it, it is, it's, it's, you are a little tiny piece of the, of this big puzzle and, and everyone is, is such an expert and they contribute, you know, all of their expertise, which then 
makes this product even even wonderful more wonderful and even grander and yeah so just hold it loosely mm, like I, like I like that advice the holding it loosely i think that's a good idea um because it's hard and it's exposing and it's you know you've written it it's from wherever it's come from your heart or your brain and it's hard so i think holding it loosely and thinking about it as how can it become the best work possible i think is the only way to look at feedback alice what about you yeah, I think Coral, that's that's a, a great way to look at it. Look at it. Um, also, there are so many different types of feedback, isn't there? There's, you know, the feedback from your family is always wonderful, and it's a great, it's a great booster, mood booster when you need one. And then there's feedback you can get from a writers group, and I've been a member of um, a wonderful group of writers who have given me great feedback over the years, but it's brutally honest at times. Uh, which is what you need as a writer. And then you've got your feedback when you send and submit your manuscripts. And that is the most devastating form of feedback, especially when you get just no reply feedback. Um, I always think it's uh, positive if I get some form of reply. And if the reply also has a comment or a, we'd like to see more of your work, um, even better. Uh, and I guess you're right, Girl, the last bit is when you get the editor comments back from a publisher I think at that stage I am so wrapped anyway and I know that they're working in the best interests and they're the professionals that know how to make the finished product product shine to be cliched about it but it's true and I think all of the feedback you're getting is helping you improve as a writer and that's what you have to keep an eye on or at mm. least I do. Yeah, absolutely, because it's not just about that piece of work, is it? It's the next piece of work that you write, the next piece. And I, I think mm -hmm. that might go, it might be different for each publisher too. You know, each publisher might want a slightly different thing. And so you're always trying to to rework your, your pieces of writing to fit whoever you're submitting to. Now, Alice, I don't know about yeah. your family. You're saying that you get really nice feedback from your family. I use my nine-year-old son as a test <laughs> subject. And I guarantee, look, I've got to say he's right, but I will, I will read him something and he'll be like, that's trash. <laughs> and then I'll, and then I'll go, yeah, I think he's right. And then I'll rewrite it and it will be better. So he is now my test audience because he's, he's honest. He's harshly honest, Alice. I, I love your son because the other day I sent you something to give me feedback from and you, you read it to him and, and he was so true. He was so <laughs> honest. And and absolutely spot on. And I'm like, how how did I not see that? The nine-year-old, I think he's going to be a professional editor and not a kind one. He'll just be like, nah, that's trash. But, you know, he must get it from somewhere, so I'll blame myself. A lot of publishers do that nowadays. They? they send the manuscripts out to children for oh, honest feedback. I love that. I mean, they're the people who are going to be reading them, aren't they? You know, they're the kids who are buying all the yeah. you know, treehouse stories and enjoying them. So there's, they've got to know something. Oh, I agree. That's cool. I also like um, the CBC. We're doing that with their awards, um, getting kids to also look at the awards of the shortlist. So kids are picking the books that are, are written for them. I think that's really cool. Absolutely, yeah. Now, out yeah. of all the things that we could write in the world, we're talking about picture books, loving picture books. Tell me, Alice, why do you write picture books? Where do you find the joy? What is the joy about writing picture books? Gosh, I ask myself that every day, I think. <laughs> because they are probably, I think, the most difficult genre to write. 
Um, I think it's the brevity of language. I've, I love poetry and it's one step above poetry and I get to see my stories illustrated. And I've always been someone who loves illustrations, loved pictures when I was a kid, always the same. That the um, I think it was called the Treasury of Illustrated Poetry. I've still got a copy somewhere. Uh, and the two put together, the fact that you're forced into writing that concise language, playing with words, having fun, but also at the end of the day, seeing it illustrated, the two put together is, is what keeps me going because it is, it is so, so difficult to write. Mm, I love that answer. And you are a big poetry fan. Who are some of the poets that have inspired you or you really enjoy reading? Um, they're probably not ones that you would read to children. Charles Bukowski, for instance. That's all right. My favourite, Sylvia mean, Plath. I'm not going to read that to my kids. <laughs> uh, I love, I look, I, I read a lot of poetry, but it's mainly for adults. And I actually did read a lot of Charles Bukowski's poetry to my daughter growing up, and she ended up, I can't remember the name of the poem he wrote, but she wrote a similar one entitled I Am an Apple. And it ended up coming third place in a South Australian poetry competition. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, any, anything and everything is the mm. answer. I like that. No, but I, I think it's interesting even, you know, I love poetry for adults as well. And like I said, Sylvia Plath is one of my favourites. But when you read it and, you know, I've taught it as well, you, it really is that playing with language. And I think then you're able to take all those ideas and skills and fun and all those things to, you know, writing the picture books that you do. So yeah. I think that that's really interesting how <laughs> Sylvia Plath can then turn into <laughs> <laughs> scarring children everywhere. <laughs> Coral, tell me about, um, God, what was the question? Oh, Coral tell, me, uh, Coral, tell me why picture books? How do you, where is your joy in writing picture books? Oh, look, I, I love the English language and, and the different ways it can be used, um, but I also love inspiring young people with a love for literature. So I guess that's where it comes from, you know, just inspiring um, young people to read, to love books, um, and and also to understand the power of story as well because there is so much power in story you know and I a lot of my books um, some are funny so you know they they hopefully will entertain kids um, entertain children and young people and adults as well but some of my books also um, educate as well like Sorry Day and Grandma's Treasured Shoes and you know educate on historical events and and different things like that so I think you know across the board there's there's so much power in story um, and no one can dispute story so yeah and you can't argue with that because story has been part of the human existence since we began you know even oral storytelling coral tell me about you know we talked about poetry and our favorite sort of poets who are you inspired by in in literature or in writing or in books well look i i'm such a big fan of um children's books <laughs> like I love kids books so you know like I and and particularly people that can do rhyme so 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 well 
you know. So I think of uh, Dr. Seuss and Lily Dodd and, you know, they're just masters, masters of rhyme. So, yeah, very, very inspired by, by those two in particular. Mm, oh, I love that. I love that a lot. We've talked about these fabulous books that are out now, The Perfectly Proper Grand Pet Parade. I just love saying that title, Coral. I could say that all day. <laughs> <laughs> the perfectly proper grand pet parade and Hugo's runaway legs which is just such a funny bizarre and odd story that I love it so much and the pictures with the animal legs they just do it for me every time <laughs> but Coral what else have you got coming up or what are you working on tell me about the future of Coral as a writer oh look I have lots and lots of things on the go which is awesome um, being in lockdown last year <laughs> and lockdown this year, I've been doing lots of writing. So yes, lots of um, lots of books coming uh, in 2022, uh, 2023, 2024 as well. Um, but this year in October, I have a new picture book coming out with Windy Hollow Books called Peak and Boo, and it's about these two owls or tawny frogmouths. Um, and, and the thing about tawny frogmouths, I love this about them, is that they usually they find one mate um, in their life and then they stay with that one mate for their entire life. So it's about these two tawny frogmouths that, that find each other, make a forever home, um, and one day Pete goes off to find some food and says to Boo, look after our egg, and when she comes back, the egg is no longer there. So um, she's in for a big surprise. So that's out in October. And I learned something about owls, so that's interesting too. Alice, what are you up to? Uh, so at the moment I'm working on um, trying my hand at junior fiction. I've written a lot of short stories for the school magazine and I thought I'd have a go at a slightly longer style. Um, it's almost done almost finished uh so where i go from there that's what i'm thinking about at the moment but it's the best bit for me is the editing mm -hmm. so uh, yeah it's yep. going to be an interesting process making something beautiful from all the mess i love that too yeah. now <laughs> yes. tell me how um you go from picture book to junior fiction what were the biggest jumps besides length obviously what were the biggest jumps that you had to overcome um, well, I started out with writing uh, short stories for the school magazine. That's how I really looked back at my travels. And as you said at the beginning, I, I travelled for 12 years. I collected a whole lot of experiences and then I used those experiences um, to create characters and settings uh, in short stories for the school magazine. And that worked extremely well. And... I must admit, I find it a lot easier to write uh, longer stories and it's extremely enjoyable for me to be able to flesh out the characters, to see what happens mm -hmm. to them, to develop the, the, the circumstances around the characters and the story. Um, and the series that I'm working on hopefully will continue for a while but yes I draw a lot on the experiences I had while traveling and that in itself is a lot of fun it mm. takes me right back to some of those places that I visited well if it's anything like your introduction about being chased by elephants and swimming <laughs> with piranhas I can't wait <laughs> 
Now we talked a bit about the brand of the publishing house, but obviously you are working on lots of projects yourselves with, you know, different people. So I want to know, Coral, what defines a Coral Vass book? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think, look, initially it was um, very much, which is you know, my bio that you read out very, very nicely, um, a splash of rhythm, a dash of rhyme mixed with fun. So I, I did have, you know, that that's a, a lot of my books, um, a rhythm, rhyme, repetition, um, fun and humour. But I didn't want to be defined solely as a um, comical writer. Uh, and so I, you know, I sort of wanted to branch out and, and do a little bit more serious stuff as well. So that's, you know, so I, I wrote Sorry Day um, and I just, yeah, I feel that, you know, that's truth telling. That's telling our a history of, of Australia um, and just then educating young people to um, to know what happened here in Australia um, and uh, helping educators use a resource to to um to teach at school as well. So, um, and then Grandma's Treasure Shoes, which is about refugees coming to Australia as well and, and, and going all over the world. So, yeah, so I think for me, um, I, wide breadth. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Alice, what about you? I, I think the same. I think sometimes writers have multiple personalities because our minds, well, certainly my mind, I can speak for myself, wanders in so many different directions. Um, with picture books, because I tend to write in rhyme, I do go back and embrace the silly. Um, and I'm examining life from the eye of a child again, so I'm going back to, you know, my primary school self. If I'm talking about junior fiction and short stories, then I do tend to write stories that have, real empathy and I'm looking into examining stories that perhaps are told from different cultures different backgrounds um, they have heart I hope and that's what I'm looking for when I do write those stories it's less about the silly and more about the the feelings the emotions and the empathy um, but yes Sometimes it's difficult because <laughs> I'm torn in so many different directions. But, yeah, it's fun. Mm, it is. And I think it's good for your um, your brain as well to move from project to project, to go from something funny mm -hmm. to a bit serious to a bit challenging. And then you can swap and move between them depending on your mood or how you're feeling or what you're inspired by that day, I think. Absolutely. You can't be funny 100% of the time, <laughs> surely. <laughs> Too yeah. much pressure. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and nor do we want to be serious 100% of the time. No, so I think you're right. absolutely right. <laughs> well, I've just had such fun chatting to you about all things picture books. I love your work that's coming out. I think it is just quirky and fun and brilliant and perfect for kids who I know mine are struggling in lockdown a little bit. So, you know, to bring the joy of literature with no agenda to it, I think is so important for kids and, you know, for adults when you're reading these books let's face it, 400 times in a row, it's good to be entertained yourself as an adult. <laughs> I'm sure we all know that feeling. So yes. thank you. 
<laughs> so thank you so much, Coral and Alice. It's so nice to be in this little room with you, not quite face to face one day soon, hopefully, but to um, be in this beautiful virtual chat with you talking all things picture books and writing and love of literature. So thank you so much. Yes, thanks, Danny. It's been wonderful. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much, Danny. Love your podcast and nice to meet you, Coral. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny B Books Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.